With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Anonymous Show 114, Columbus Group. Good evening out there, kids. From the Grassroots of Medicine and Social Networking, this is the Dr. Anonymous Show live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm, of course, your favorite physician host. My name is Mike, but my friends, like you, call me Dr. A. And you can always find me at DrAnonymous.com. That brings you to my blog. You can also go to DrAnonymous.net. That brings you to my Facebook fan page, and thanks to all of you out there who are Facebook fans of the show. I very much appreciate that. Or you can also go to DrAnonymous.org. Yes, that link brings you right to my iTunes page, where, yes, you can subscribe to this show and get all you can handle of Dr. Anonymous. Yes, I know. It's overwhelming at times. Today is Thursday, September 3rd, 2009. It is 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for joining me on this uh, special time here uh, this evening. I just got home uh, in the past uh, half an hour. And uh, as uh, I've talked about on this show before, I am the soccer doc Yes, I am the uh, soccer doc for our boys' high school uh, soccer team, and we just finished up within the last half an hour. Got home, fired up the computer, and we're ready for a show here this evening. It is just six weeks or 42 days until Bug World Expo. I know, it's coming up fast. And we've talked about it on this show before, the huge, huge, Med Blogger Meetup, the Med Blogger Programming Track at Blog World Expo. It is just six weeks from today. I'll be talking about that probably later this month sometime, if you haven't heard about it already. Uh, our guest tonight, who will be, show, who will be joining us in just, just a little bit, is uh, my good friend Brandis, who's been on this show before. Uh, we met uh, during uh, PodCamp Ohio, but tonight... We're going to be talking about her new book, her collection of poetry, which is called Columbus Groove. You can get there by going to columbusgroove.net. You can find out all about it there. Or her personal blog, brandis.net slash blog. And we'll be talking about all of that. Very excited to have her on the show to talk about that. 
And if we have time at the end of the show, I'll be uh, mentioning some uh, news stories here uh, that I find uh, interesting here this week. Uh, If you would like your five minutes of fame on this show, uh, probably halfway uh, through the show here, the number here is 646-716-9514. And uh, if you are listening live... You can see my shining face on the webcam. Yes, the uh, webcam is working here this evening here on Blog Talk Radio. You can just uh, press the little webcam icon next to my name in the chat room, and you can see the show taking place right before your eyes there. Uh, And uh, before we get going here, I do want to uh, say hi and hello to the friendliest chat room anywhere. Hello, chat room. We have our good friend Bungi, who is uh, in South Africa right now, listening live, where I believe it is 4 o'clock in the morning. Very excited to be meeting Bungi uh, at Blog World Expo in Las Vegas. Uh, he's been twittering about it. He went to the, uh, to the embassy, got his visa. And he's on one of the panels there at the Blog World Expo. So that'll be very fun to uh, to meet him. So thank you for joining us uh, this evening. We have our guest. We have Cop. We have our good friend Craig, Friggin Ben, J-Man, Kimmy, and Liz all listening live. And if you're having problems uh, getting into the chat room, don't worry. You can still hear me. And uh, we will talk to you very soon as uh, you get into the chat room here. So I think I have everything uh, set here, and uh, we will take a, uh, a a quick break here, and then we will uh, we will have our guest. So you are listening to the Doctor Anonymous show, a featured speaker at the previously mentioned Blog World Expo Med Blogger Meetup Programming Trek. You can find out more information. At our good friend uh, AmerijaBlog.com, you can click on the tab called blog world find out all the information right there and we will be right back Yes, that's right. Lowering your blood pressure one point at a time. This is the Dr. Anonymous show live on Block Talk Radio. And now I'd like to welcome our guest, my good friend, Brandis. Brandis, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I am so excited to talk to you about this project here. Uh, this is I'm very I'm very happy for you. I'm very excited uh, about the Columbus uh, Groove. Uh, this is going to be uh, it's going to be a great uh, great thing to talk about here. Why don't we just start out by uh, uh, I, something that, that I wanted to ask you, kind of right off the top here, is that have you always been uh, a writer, or writing poetry, or writing prose growing up? Was that always an interest of yours? Yes. Yes, I think it was pretty much um, always, I've been writing, I started writing stories when I was really, really little, and um, I think the thing I always come back to is poetry, because I I like the idea of saying something 
really succinctly in the perfect words, like using as few words as possible because they're the right words. And I, I just like the idea of doing that. And I, I do some other writing projects. I do National Novel Writing Month once a year. And um, so I write some other things, but I've, I've, I've kind of always dabbled in poetry. And uh, who would you say, I guess, kind of growing up uh, were your influences in poetry or even in prose or just writing in general? Um, the first poem that I really, really, really loved um, was called Morning Song of Senlin by, uh, oh, I think it's Conrad Aiken. Okay. And... Um, that was probably like the first poem that I really fell in love with. And um, his poetry is actually really hard to find like in published form. I don't know if he was just like, he was just in an anthology, in, in an anthology of poetry that um, I just stumbled on this poem and I loved the way, um, it's sort of like a description of a morning, just an everyday guy. He's getting up, he's getting dressed, he's putting on his tie. And I loved the way it was described so perfectly and um, so that was like the first poem that had an effect on me and, and kind of got me into the poetry genre. And um, as far as poets go, I think Carl Sandburg is amazing. I, I, I absolutely just worship Carl Sandburg. Um, Chicago Poems is one of my favorite um, collections of poetry. So, so uh, what, uh, I guess what, what, what kind of draws you uh, towards uh, or did draw you towards poetry? Is it, was it kind of the, you know, maybe a little bit of um, self-exploration of the writer or the, 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 the scene that they portray or the story or a little bit of all of that? Or? Well, I think, um, I think in writing in general, what's important is that you're writing. Uh, a lot of people say um, when they get into writing, you know, or some of the advice in writing is write what you know. If you write something you don't really know anything about, it's not authentic, and then it's not entertaining, and it's not, you know, people don't, attached to it. Like I would never write about a welder unless I had done extensive research or something. And even then, probably don't know enough about welding to write about. So a lot of the, um, a lot of my writing is about me. Um, even the prose that I've written, there's always like a little piece of me in there somewhere. Um, and I think most writers, there's a piece of them somewhere in, in their work or they don't feel invested in it. I mean, that's kind of what invests you in the work if you can relate to it and you're sharing something of yourself, even if it's very, very, you know, third-hand, removed from actually describing you. So a lot of my poetry is about me. Some of it's thinly masked uh, about me, and some of it is things that I've, are, are things that I've observed, um, you know, like scenes. The nice thing about poetry is it's um, kind of like another way to take a picture of a moment, um, only it's not just one still frame, it's you know, a small snippet of time. So you can describe like one very small moment or, you know, one idea about one, a larger moment. So there's always a little bit of me in all of it, I think. Do you, uh, do you remember any of your early work or is, or is any, or is any of your early work in, in uh, Columbus Groove or? Um, I would say that some of, some pieces of earlier poetry are in this collection. That this collection spans poetry that I've written since probably 2000. Um, so it's written over a long period of time. And some of it, yeah, was probably, 
I wouldn't say back as far as high school, but maybe college. Um, in fact, a lot of it's probably from college, late college, or uh, right when I was first meeting my husband. And some of the, and then, but some of the poems, um, they're not really any of them in their original form. Like a poem, as you edit it and you spend years refining it and you come back to it, it becomes a little bit more about what's going on with you now. So a lot of the poems, you know, they started off about one person or one uh, one period in my life, and now they've become a little more broad. Or, um, you know, the the third section is a happier section of poems about finding love. And I don't think any of them started off being about my husband, but then later on they became shaped by finding real love with my husband. So. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll get back to specifically talking about about the book in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Something that 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 I, that I was curious about is um, your choice to. Uh, you know, do the collection yourself and to go kind of go it on your own, the whole self-publishing uh, route. Was that kind of the plan from the beginning or did what was kind of your vision as far as, you know, how you were going to get this work out to the public? Um, I think I've, I've been thinking about self-publishing this for probably about five years and I really just didn't have the guts to do it. And I thought it was a lot more complicated than it is. And I think five years ago it was a lot more complicated than it is now. Um, now, I mean, it was very simple. And But more importantly, what I liked about self-publishing is that I had complete control. And in a scarier sense, I had complete responsibility um, for the quality of the book, including the pages, like every page I was responsible for, um, the, the layout, the alignment, um, the fonts, the headers. Um, you know, I didn't do all those things by myself, but I was responsible for at least finding a person that I trusted and then being very, very per- like a perfectionist about it. Um, I, we ordered five different proofs of this book, and, and the last one was as simple as, there were a couple paragraphs that were moved like a quarter of an inch to the left just because, you know, when you self-publish, you have so much responsibility for everything about that product. It's no longer just your writing. It's also you're providing an, an overall product. So and I, I liked that idea, and I liked that challenge, and I wanted to maintain the integrity of the collection. You know, I didn't want anybody to rip it apart and reorder it or ask me to cut things or ask me to add things I couldn't produce into an already finished collection. And um, so I just, I I liked the idea of being solely responsible and then just maintaining the control of, of those things. So I think some, even, even small presses sometimes when you submit something, even to a small press, it just, it looks like it came from a small press and it looks, you know, a lot of them, you know, they don't invest a lot of time in the way the book looks. And with poetry, it's so visual um, because it's such a small amount of words, so, so few words, um, and it's so important what it looks like. And I think that's what was really important for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've gotten to know you a little bit, and, um, you know, I, I know that you're very, uh, very prepared, um, and you do a lot of research before you would jump into, jump into something. So, so kind of like the whole... The whole self-publishing route, as far as it, 
did, did you talk with people who self-published before, or did you just do your research on the internet? Like, what what was that kind of like even before you know diving into the specifics of your book? Well, I looked at a lot of different sites, um, but I've been familiar with Lulu, which is the service I used, Lulu.com. Um, I've been familiar with them for a while because um, the National Novel Writing Month project that I do in November. Um, yes. You write a novel every no- every November for in 30 days, and you know it's a huge amount of fun. But they they used to have promotions where they would give each um, NaNoWriMo, which is the what we call National Novel Writing Month. We used to um, get one free copy of our book through Lulu, and it was always a really high quality. Um, you know, I, I was just familiar with the site. I liked the site, and um, when I thought about self-publishing, I looked and I, I liked the way they offer. Um, the publishing, I, I, I liked the process. <clears throat> and um, so I, I shopped around a little bit, but the fact that I was already comfortable with Lulu's setup um, sort of leaned me in that direction. And I like that they kind of help you launch the book on Amazon. Um, they have expanded distribution now where you, they can launch it on like the, the UK Amazon site and some other international sites, which um, was pretty cool too. So... Um, was there any, ever any thought of just doing just an electronic version and releasing it in that manner without, you know, a, a physical book? I thought about it, but um, I don't. I don't know. With this, I just wanted to be holding a book that was by me, um, and also there's so much that. With a digital, again, the same thing that I I had said about wanting to control the the way the poems looked visually. Um, there's so much that you don't maintain control of with an ebook, even if you put it in certain fonts or set it out a certain way. Like I'm having a heck of a time creating a good-looking ebook uh, version of this book because um, even the the uh, there's a an app called Calibre. I'm probably saying that wrong, but um, that helps you create, uh, take a PDF and turn it into an ebook, or Amazon actually helps you make a Kindle version of a of a book, and it just um, it's just demolishing the layout of the poems and making them run together. And it's I mean it's just been um, it it just it doesn't always look quite the way you would like it to look. And with a book, um, I knew that each page would look the same to every person, and it would look exactly the way I wanted it to look. So. There will be an ebook uh, down the road, though. I'm still working on that, and then I'm going to offer a promotion where if you've, you know, purchased the physical copy and you send me a picture of you holding the book, I'll send you the e-copy for free to put on, you know, your various devices and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> your your uh, uh, your personal and professional life has been very busy in the past, I guess, four or five years. Um, how did you kind of fit in this project in everything else that you were doing as far as, you know, working and going to school and, um, you know, getting married? And I mean, it, did you, I mean, was it just doing pieces here and there or, or did you just kind of, were there long stretches where you did a lot of work and then took a break from it a while or what, yeah. what was that like? Yeah, I, there were periods where I took a long uh, break. And then there were stretches where I put a lot of energy into the poems. There was a period a couple years ago where I had several people read through the poems, help me pick uh, a series of poems that made a cohesive 
um, collection. Um, I did, I think every couple years I've done a complete overhaul of this collection. And um, I hadn't, as of the beginning of this summer, I hadn't written or read my poetry in probably a couple years because of grad school and getting married and getting a new job and acclimating to, you know, life, my, my new life, married and career-wise and all that kind of thing. Um, I had really lost my creative bug and, um, you know, the summer rolled around and I was starting to feel like I was relaxing back into a routine and I got that itch again. And then um, I just happened to meet uh, this girl, Stephanie Samanto, at a, a local WordPress meetup and uh, we were showing off websites and her website happened to have a recent post uh, showing pictures of a project she had for school. Um, which was a book cover uh, assignment, and her book covers were fabulous. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the time to do this. She's the right person to do the layout and typesetting and the cover. And I don't think these poems need ripped apart anymore. I think I'm ready to just put them out there and then start on another collection after that. So let's see, how, let's see if we can do this. And so I spent um, a good portion of this summer, you know, we went back and forth with fonts and um, typesetting and layout and you know and there's so much you have to do yourself that normally you don't have to do if you're not self-publishing like um, wording and laying out your your copyright page and it all has to be on the right side and on the right page and in order to be accepted internationally by book standards and um, so I jumped into that and I found that in terms of writing the the process of getting this book together and making it look the way I want it to look and getting it into a published form has totally sparked me into writing again. Like I, I, I'm getting that itch again where like I'll get an idea and I have to have a notebook somewhere with me to, to sketch down at least like a skeleton of a poem. And I love having that, that itch again. But it comes and goes. I think it does for every writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess I, I'm curious about the process too. So, so when you get the itch, you just you, you just write some notes down, and um, you know, I guess kind of how you get from here to there, or just I don't know, just kind of random thoughts. Or I, I guess it would depend on what stage the idea is. I would presume. Yeah, and it depends on how the idea presents itself. I mean, I think for poets, um, it could be any manner of things. Sometimes I save a picture that gives me an idea. Um, I got a great writing notebook recently um, that. Um, you know, sometimes I'll be driving in my car and I'll get an idea and I'll make like a, a voice note on my phone with like a sentence that will remind me exactly where I was going with the poem. Or sometimes if I have a notebook near me, I'll just start writing and I won't worry about whether the poem makes sense or it's structured right off the bat. I'll just get the raw poem out and then I'll go back in and I'll, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time switching words, like finding the right word for what I meant, the word that sounds the best or um, that's kind of the longer process is later on um, cutting it down and making it very concise and uh, so that it sounds right in, in as few words as possible I guess that's how that's how my process works so yeah I, that, that, I'm always fascinated talking with, with people who uh, you know who, who love to do what they do and, and just kind of try to break down the process there it's uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating um, and I, I, I guess uh, um, before moving on, it, it, as far as um, self-publishing, because um, I know I get questions 
about this sometimes, and you probably get questions about this, and, and obviously you know more than I do because I've never done this before. Um, but uh, uh, you know, if, if people ask you about self-publishing and what the process was, and, and uh, um, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Say, hey, you know, I have this idea. I, I, I want to do, you know, I want to publish this, you know, novella or novel or you know, just something that is that is uh, important to me. Um, what kind of direction would, or what kind of advice would you give them? Well, I would say um, when you get to a point where you actually want to put it in book form and you want to put it out there, you have got to be absolutely sure that it's the last draft because no one, there, there is no next step where someone's going to catch a single mistake. So when you put that book out there, um, you know, even the, the next to last version of this book when it came, um, you know, we were just looking at layout and I caught a typo. I, it was simply a letter that was capitalized that didn't, I didn't really want it capitalized. Um, but it was like, you know, I was, I, was one, I was one proof away from publishing that, you know. It, you have to be very, very sure you have got a publishable book because no one, there's no checks and balances. And I would also say um, if you're not good with graphic design and you're not good with typesetting, get someone else to do it for you because, um, you know, I went through Borders the other day to get the information. There's a process to, to try and get your a self-published book um, carried at local borders. And I went through the local section, and there were some self-published books that, I mean, they looked like something that was printed out on your home computer, and it was in like an aerial font, which for printed media just I don't think works. And um, they were, I mean, you could tell which books were self-published. And the thing that I really like about my book is that it looks, it doesn't look like a self-published book. I really, I really think um, Stephanie did such a great job with the cover and with the quality of the inside of the book, and we really did our homework in reading the guidelines. And um, you really got to do your homework to make the book not look like, you know, a homegrown, did-it-yourself-at-home kind of book, even if you're doing it through a service like Lulu. You know, they're not going to hold your hand. They'll give you the guidelines, but you've got to know what you're doing and or you've got to get somebody who knows how to do it for you. It's worth, you know, working with someone else who's into graphic design or can tell you this page looks weird. Um, it's worth doing that because now I have a book that I absolutely stand behind in every way, the paper quality, the, the layout, all of it. And I think that's really, really important where people are just going to look at it and know right off the bat, you know, it just doesn't look professional. And I think that's, that's a really big thing for self-publishing. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, our guest uh, is uh, Brandis Schnabel, and uh, her book is called Columbus Groove. You can get there uh, through uh, columbusgroove.net. Uh, so let's, let's talk about this project in a little bit more detail here. Uh, let's, let's start with the title of the book. How, how did you come up with uh, Columbus Groove? Well, Columbus Groove is actually um, one of the titles. It's the title of one of the poems. Um, which sort of gave me the structure for the entire book. Um, the actual poem, Columbus Groove, is kind of a, it's a play on um, finding what you want with someone. I'm talking about falling in love with someone who is sort of asking me a question and I'm, I'm silently answering like, yes, I want to be with you. And in saying that, I'm playing, I'm playing with the words um, like Christopher Columbus, like the tune, uh, one of the phrases is like the tune of colonization. And it, um, it sort of plays a little bit on the idea of exploration and colonization and, 
and that kind of thing. And um, so I called that poem Columbus Groove, and then I thought about the structure of an entire collection of poems with that same sort of idea. And, you know, the first section of poems um, is called Lost at Sea. And it's, um, it's, the, uh, it's all the sad poems. It's the poems where you haven't been treated right or you, you didn't pick the right one and it's all fallen apart or, um, you know, things are just not what you want. You want something you can't have, that kind of thing. And um, then it moves on to um, Searching for Shore, which is the second section. And uh, that's the part where you're looking for the right person or you're, you know, you're wandering around and you're looking at this person, looking at that person, figuring out what you want in a person, those kind of poems. Um, like playful, you're not quite, you haven't quite, quite uh, found love or you're still trying to get the other person to fall in love with you, that kind of thing. And then the last section is called On Dry Land, which is kind of like the end of the journey. Like you've found someone who, you know, you've either found a moment that's right or you've found, you know, the person that's right um, or the relationship that's right. You know, it's about finding the good stuff. So it starts off kind of sad and you know, rocky waters, kind of like I envision Columbus on the voyage to eventually discover what he, he thought was America. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, things were rocky and he was searching, but eventually he found dry land. And I think that's actually, it just kind of struck me as the natural progression of how you end up finding the right person or the right, you know, relationship. So that's a long So that probably kind of, uh, it's I guess it's kind of self-reflective. It's kind of reflective of your life as well as, as the journey that you've been taking uh, in life, I would presume. It is. And uh, um, they're not all poems um, really specifically about my relationships, but they're pieces of my relationships and um, they're things that I may have observed in other relationships. And um, it actually, it gets a little... Um, it gets more and more personal almost towards the end, uh, towards the, the last section. And I don't know why, but I'm, I think it takes a lot more uh, for me to write um, really happy poetry. I think people are naturally more expressive sometimes, at least creatively, when, they're, when something's not right. So they're kind of working it out on paper or working it out in artwork or music. And so that kind of thing just comes, it comes a lot more naturally for me. And then the last section with all the, the happier stuff, it's almost like it's more personal when you're truly happy. It, it's like you're revealing a little bit more of yourself. Um, and I feel pretty naked when, re when revealing what it's like when I feel really happy with someone because I'm pretty private about that stuff. And so those sec that section is less, uh, it, it's, it's more about me um, and it's more unfiltered because to have it really be honest, um, it just it just had to be more raw. And so, um, like the very last poem, I'm almost like bashful that I put it in a book, just because it's so, um, it's just so lovey. I, and and I'm typically not that uh, that outwardly lovey, but um, I just no, no, you're, no, you're not. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's, interesting, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, when I've heard interviews like this before, um, sometimes um, the sad or the tough type of work is a little bit more personal to the writer. But you're saying the, the later part of this book, the more happy times are a little bit more personal and, re and revealing of yourself. Did I hear that right? 
Yeah, and well, in, in some of the tougher stuff at the beginning, I mask it through, you know, alternative types of situations. It's not necessarily the raw look at my specific situation, but I took pieces of, um, I, I think that, and, you know, I, I kind of said this, but it, it's just, um, man, you know, some of the greatest writers were just very torn, conflicted people, tortured people, and um, there's something very, you know, sadly beautiful about someone who's in pain and can express it in such an amazing way. Um, but I think it's a little easier to do that than it is. And, and when you're happy, I don't know, you're not sitting around writing poetry. You're out being happy. So it's almost like when I'm truly happy and I'm enjoying other aspects of my life, I'm not thinking about my creativity or it's coming out in different ways. You know, I'm finding maybe other more social ways of being creative and expressive so it's almost, you know, and, and I think that's probably why the past couple years I just, you know, I haven't been writing a lot and um, because I've been so busy and also I've just, you know, I've been in a really good place and I've been expressing myself in other ways, you know, video blogging, the Internet. Uh, I've just been crazed about the Internet lately and there were other ways to um, share the fun stuff. And it's not that I've gotten sad again in rediscovering my creative outlet. Um, I've discovered another element to my writing, which is it's actually I'm actually struggling through the process of learning how to write about being happy or being content or being settled into certain things in my life, which is it's cool. It's like a new challenge. Yeah, this, this is fascinating. Uh, um, so how is um, writing – different than expressing yourself on like a video blog or, you know, something that is internet related as opposed to something like, you know, you're writing prose or poetry. How, how, how is that different to you? Well, for one, for the, the video would be the biggest um, difference for me because man, I can ramble on a video. I mean, you've seen my videos. I can go on and on and on. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and it's good. I, I, I get excited about things, and I like to talk about them a lot. Um, the challenge when you're writing a poem about that very same thing is that you only have so much space, and you there are only certain – you have to find the best words to say it all. It's like, you know, instead of having a conversation or a long um, rant about something, can you say what's truly important about all of that in, like, one sentence, one broken poet? poem type sentence um, and that's where the challenge comes in and it's um, it's about whether you just want to chat with people which is more social or for me like with poetry it's more about the art and it's more um, individual it's something that's you know it's just me and eventually I want to share it with others but the process itself is much more personal and private whereas um, if it's if it's other things or if it's other mediums it's more um, I want to talk to people about certain things. That's kind of the, the difference for me. Now, before you put this book together, um, if you would write, you know, when you would write poetry, would you typically, you know, share it with people or a person, or this is the first time that anybody's ever seen any of your work? Um, no, I actually, I had a couple friends in college that I shared a lot of my poetry with, a lot of my poetry with. Um, in fact, um, the one friend who has probably read, read all the poetry I, read in co I wrote in college, um, I showed him the book 
um, a few weeks ago, and he started flipping through it, and he said, oh, I remember this poem. It's not exactly the way it was before, but, you know, he recognized some of it. So I've always shared it maybe with a few people. Um, There's always been a few people in my life that I've shared my writing with. Right now there's probably three or four people that, um, like if I wrote something new, I would send to if it was at a point where I wanted them to give me opinions about whether it was done. Um, and I've, I've, I've gone in and out of certain writing communities, but it's hard to find a good critique group for poetry. Um, I haven't really found a good one where people are equally giving feedback and asking for feedback. You tend In forums, you tend to get a lot of people um, asking for feedback and posting their writing, but not giving out feedback. So, um, so I never really got into writing communities, but I've, I've always had a few close people. Um, one of them is actually thanked in the back of the book, my friend Kelly, um, because she's, she's published before. She gave me advice on publishing, and, and she really helped me shape the entire collection. So. Well, plus I would imagine, too, that, I mean, well, especially your work is very personal, and, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, go to a writing community and that type of thing, I would think that a lot of that would maybe be like structure and not really, you know, content and, and you would share your work with people that you know, you know, especially from a content standpoint, because they would know where you're coming from or where you're at at this point in your life. Right, right. And it, it is really nerve wracking how personal the collection is um, because it's very, I mean, it's all about relationships. So there's the anxiety of being seen as just someone who only writes about love or heartbreak which I, I don't. It's just I had the most cohesive collection of poems on that topic. Um, I'm actually working on a whole bunch of stuff on a on totally different um, wavelengths. But it's also, I mean, poetry about relationships always reveals something about your past relationships or your current relationships. And I was not prepared for how, like, nerve-wracking that would be. You know, I have a, a solid collection, but... Um, that I'm ready to throw out. There's a there's an abstract idea when you go to self-publish about, or when you go to publish, you're like the public. I'm ready to have the public read this, but then with a, a book like this one, I hadn't I, I I had only recently become prepared for like my mother to read it, you know, or or my grandmother or you know coworkers, you know, um, you know I'm a therapist, so um, you know my coworkers reading some of these, you know bad relationships that I've gone through or getting a hint of, you know, my, my path toward finding my husband, you know, it's, um, it's a little nerve wracking. It's, it's, I mean, it's really exposing. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and, and I know, I mean, you're, you're a pretty private person. Um, and, and I'm kind of similar as well. Um, and, you know, putting this out there, um, it's something that's personal. I mean, you know, you know, blogging and video stuff. I mean, there's, you know, we've talked about, you know, how we can kind of, you know, hide or show what we would want to show or whatever. But but this type of work, um, it's 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 uh, if you don't mind me saying, I mean, it's kind of out of character for you. I mean, this is something that you're really taking a leap, um, and something yeah. that, uh, that maybe not a lot of people w- would expect out of you. And and you know, and I'm happy that you're doing it. It's uh, I was I was surprised uh, when I read your blog about the Super Secret Project. Um, and uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised, uh, and I'll be I'll be uh, uh, very curious, uh, um, you know, uh, about about the collection uh, when I check it out. But uh, but yeah, it was, it was definitely surprising when I first heard about that about the project, and probably a lot of people that you know probably surprising to them as well. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of people that know me personally, um, you know, offline type um, relationships, know that I, I write, and they have a vague idea that I do this writing thing in November with NaNoWriMo, and, um, you know, they have the vague uh, knowledge that I'm a creative person outside of, you know, what I do for my job. You know, I've played music. Um, I've, you know, I made jewelry and uh, mixed media art for a while, um, and I always come back to writing, and um a lot of people, it's been so long since I've had the time or the energy or that spark to write or um, have had the confidence to share my writing, which I think is another big one for me. Um, it's been so long that I have people in my life who, yeah, they didn't know that I wrote, uh, that I write. And so that's been really interesting, you know, people at work who, you know, they they just know me as, you know, clinical social worker, I do this, I do that. <clears throat> a lot of them knew about my tea uh, podcast, but um, you know, uh, the I think the poetry book's been a surprise for everybody who didn't know, who didn't know me earlier in my life and knew that I've pretty much my entire life wanted to publish at least one book. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you have so many projects going everywhere. I I can't even keep up with you these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've yeah, actually yeah, yeah. um, I've actually yeah, put a lot on hold. Um, you know, Steep, I'm, I've kind of acknowledged with the, the tea blog and the tea podcast that it's run its course, and I think we had, you know, 60-some really good episodes, and I just want to leave those up to be enjoyed by people. And um, I'm, I think I'm learning how to focus on one thing at a time. So a lot of the other projects I've kind of calmed down. I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to focus, and I'm finding that the one thing I always have energy to focus on is writing at least um, you know some portion of my week is always about whether it's blogging or it's creative writing or you know whatever um, it seems like that's always a, a an energy underlying everything so that's what I want to focus on for a while instead of jumping into I I know I'm a huge project person but I've been trying to step yeah back. I, and I I find I, that the I, writing I, comes I, out yeah, I, I remember that that the, the first uh, pod camp, and you were having all kinds of stuff going on. You were working, and you were in school, and you were doing steep, and um, and you were planning your wedding, and then and then after after pod camp, um, and you got your job. Um, I think mm-hmm. at that point you were like, whoa, you know, uh, we're focusing yeah. on less. And I saw that, and uh, this is kind of one of the one of the uh, one of the results of that. And uh, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen a lot of people, uh, and you've seen a lot of people as well take on too many projects, they burn out, and then they stop everything. Uh, yeah. But you've really found found the way to focus on you know what you really want to focus on. I guess now you know obviously you know it's your marriage and your job, your full time job now, and you you've able been able to get this book out in, in the meantime. Yeah, and I think I found something um, it, it's been really good for me, and I think I found something in writing um, that is an outlet for some of the the harder energy that I have to deal with coming home from a day of hearing people in crisis all day. And um, that was something that was really hard is I had all these projects. Um, I was juggling all these projects when I first got this job on a psych unit, and none of them provided any relief. It was like I came home and I hit the ground running and I had no decompression time. And I wasn't really, I had all this energy and emotion left over from a day at work that wasn't being used. And it was just being bottled up and kind of stagnant. And 
I feel like this project sort of in writing and, you know, blogging and writing, they always seem to fit um, because I can always use whatever sort of emotional energy I've got going on. I can always turn that into creative writing. And with creative writing, you can take the emotion you've got um, from a day that, you know, you and I both have jobs that we have to be incredibly discreet about. We can't talk about most of what we do in a day. And um, this right. allows me, I can take that energy and that emotion and I can fictionalize it in, in so that I can express the emotion or express the frustration, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not tainting that relationship with any patients or anything. I, I can take the energy and turn it into something creative, which has been really, really good for me. It's kind of helped me find some stability in a job where I'm dealing with in, unstable people <laughs> all day. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and I know that that you and I have talked about this offline as well. And uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been a, a similar experience uh, for me um, in that I have this show, which is kind of my outlet to just not think about work and to talk to my friends. Um, and uh, you know, others, you know, social networking things, you know, Facebook. I've done a little bit more with with video blogging and things like that. Uh, to get my mind away from work, but not talk about work, um, and I know you know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, yeah. to, kind of, to, to kind of channel some of these emotions that we go through um, that, for the most part, we can't share with anybody. So we've, we, yeah. you, know, you really have to find outlets, um, positive outlets uh, for that, but still not compromise your job. And I think you and I have really kind of found our own way um, how to do that. And, and it's because it, it's, it, it, that's, that's one of the reasons why I love talking about this because we're, we're, we're kind of similar in that, you know, we, we can't talk yeah. about, we can't talk about work. We just can't. We can't yeah. talk about work with, with, with anybody right. <laughs> except maybe, you know, our spouse. Uh, but we, I can't talk about it on the show. I can't talk about it on my blog. Um, yeah. I, but, but, but you go through a day where all this stuff's coming at you from all these different uh, directions uh, and you need some kind of positive outlet because we both have seen people who deal with it in a negative way. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I completely know where you're coming from. Yeah, that process has been really interesting and good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so how, how difficult was it to... Um, know what to keep in the book and what to keep out of the book as far as, because I, I would imagine you, you were paring down, you know, what you were, what you were going to be putting in the book and, and all the stuff that you were not going to be putting in the book. I guess especially the, the, the final section, the third section, the very, very personal things. We're, 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 I, I would presume there would be some work uh, that you'd be like, well, this is really good. I think it's really good, but it's too personal to put in the book. Well, I think well, I actually kind of went the opposite way, where if it didn't feel personal enough, like it didn't feel emotional enough, um, those are the things that I cut. Um, and I started off with about probably twice as many poems about relationships, like about twice as many as went in the final collection. And then I worked with, uh, it was a couple years ago when I really weeded it down and I've cut a couple of poems since then and added one poem. Um, but for the most part, a couple of years ago, I, I narrowed down the collection. And um, I, I talked to a couple of people that I trusted to read the collection. And I asked, you know, what fits? How could this go together? 
um, you know, I came up with the Columbus Groove concept, and, you know, I had people saying, you know, this one, I know it's about a relationship, but it doesn't feel like it's from the same perspective as the rest of them. Like it's not, um, it doesn't feel right with the rest of them. And I got a lot of that input from other people who, you know, they all feel similar to me in perspective because they're all from my perspective, even if they're written not to be. And so uh, other people reading the poetry really helped me narrow down like what what meshed together. And then, um, you know, I've, I've cut a, a couple extras that I was like, you know, this just doesn't, it doesn't fit in any of the three sections. Um, it's kind of like this bizarre pseudo, like it could be in this one, it could be in this one, let's just cut it and it can go in another collection at some point. And there was one that I was like, you know, I just, I really like this poem and um, it's, I was like, this is funny, I like this poem, I know it's really short, but I'm, I wanted it in there. Um, so there's one specific poem I remember, I took it out, put it back in, took it, took it out and... Um, but you, I, I figured it out along the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so wasn't it until, uh, I guess, the beginning or middle of August where you got word or you knew that this was actually going going to happen? It was sometime. I was wondering when it was going to happen because we, uh, Stephanie and I, kind of connected um, earlier in the early early summer, maybe late spring. And, um, you know, of course, she's, and, you know, she's just um, doing this, you know, in addition to everything else in her life. So it's been kind of a part-time thing for both of us. You know, I've got to work, and um, she had things going on. So it was a constant part-time thing where it was very slow. Um, you know, she would um, make some changes, and then I would take a while to really think about what I liked about the changes and give feedback, and then she'd have to take some time. And um, so it wasn't, and, and then it got to a point where we were ordering proofs. You have to order a physical copy and approve it and not make any changes to it in order to final, do the final publish. And um, so we got to the point where we were ordering proofs, and then it was like every week um, hoping that that version that came in the mail would be the final one. So it was, it was constant limbo of, um, okay, I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. And then it comes in the mail, and you're really excited, but oh, this, this paragraph's too far for, from the right. It doesn't look right on the page. And then you have to order a whole other proof and, and um, you know, re-upload everything. And um, so August was kind of a, a – July especially was kind of a frustrating month because I thought we'd have it out by the beginning of August, and it, it just kept, you know, you have to account for, like, the margins and um, the way the, ba- the binding is going to change the layout. And, you know, it was just uh, touch and go. So when we finally got this this last version, I mean, we I got this in the mail, flipped through it for the two changes we had to make in it, and I literally ordered 100 bulk copies like 15 minutes later. It was like, I've been waiting for this forever. And um, I launched it immediately, and I mean, it was just a huge, huge moment. But it was very like limbo up until then because you just, I mean, and it had to be perfect. I mean, I felt like I was being kind of a perfectionist, but if you're going to put something out there like this, and it's the first time you're doing it. I just want to hit a home run right out of the, right off the bat. You know, I didn't want it sure. to be half-assed. So. Right, right. What so what what uh, well, what's been the response of, of your friends and, and the people that you know? Um, you know, one that you did a book, and two that you know that you're going to be you know 
um, you know, doing some, you know, probably some pretty good uh, PR on this deal. Well, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And um, I was so self-conscious about talking about self-publishing a book because it's different than saying I published a book because there's some prestige in that that this, you know, publishing firm, you know, they chose your book and they wanted it and, and they, you know, it's different when you're self-publishing it. Um, there, I think a lot of people in writing communities make the assumption that you've been rejected a million times and you're just taking it in your own hands even though the writing's not good enough. And the truth is I never submitted this collection of poetry to a single publishing house. Um, and But it's, you know, it's hard, you know, you have to kind of earn the respect of the writing community when you self-publish something. But largely my, my, my family and my friends have been really supportive. Some people have been surprisingly supportive. Like, you know, I just, I pictured a small niche of people um, being pumped for me and then, you know, it just kind of, you know, selling on the Internet. And, and there's actually been just a huge amount of support from, you know, the, there's a local gallery, um, 2nd April, downtown Canton, that they're going to carry the book. They're, I'm doing book signing there tomorrow, and then they want to do a separate night just for me and another self-published author to do readings and um, it's just a huge amount of support and people saying, well, when can I come to a book signing? Sure, I want to buy your book, but I want to go to an event to get it. And it, that's been really surprising and, you know, humbling and, and, and really cool. And then there's some other people who I, you know, I get the feeling um, it, it's most it's strange, but it's mostly the writing community that, that looks at self-publishing a certain way. And it's just, um, that's something you have to combat just by people actually reading and liking the book. It has to earn its, you know, earn its place in the in the publishing industry, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But it's so been fun. You're, uh, um, so you're so the the site of the book is the columbusgroove.net, and uh, mm-hmm. you can get more information uh, about the book and about the author, and you can pre-order it. Um, how how's uh, how's that been going? You can actually order it now. It is available for sale. Um, you can get it through Lulu um, for eleven bucks. Or you can get it through me on the site. There's a PayPal option where you can choose whether to have it autographed or not autographed for the same price. Um, and that's kind of the benefit is when, when I sell them through me, I can, I can send you an autographed copy right off the bat. So um, I offer that too at the same price. So the book, um, Amazon takes a while because Lulu has to submit all the book data and um, to, I don't know, some big thing. And then Amazon gets the data and the ISBN is registered at Amazon, and then eventually the book will be available on Amazon, but that's kind of a tedious process. It'll probably be up in um, October. But in the meantime, you you can get the book. So it's out there, and I'm shipping two of them tomorrow. Yay! Well, that's great. Um, And and I I know you mentioned your book signing um, already, but uh, for for people uh, in the uh, Canton, Ohio area, maybe just – Mention that again. Uh, what, 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 what is the event? Uh, um, first the event is uh, Friday. It's first Friday. Yeah, and you can go to Canton First Friday, I think. dot com. Canton First Friday. dot com, I think. Um, but there's uh, if you go to my Twitter, it's just at Brandis. Um, there's some linkage, um, and the Columbus Groove site has some links to it. But um, it's uh, first Friday. It's the first Friday of every month downtown Canton in the Arts District. Um, they have live music everywhere, tons of live music, food vendors. 
um, every art gallery or um, shop or anything downtown has like a promotional type thing. I think they're doing um, a poetry reading con- competition tomorrow. They're doing free henna tattoos. Um, there's usually this guy who plays saxophone who's just phenomenal. He just stands out on the street and plays sax all night. Um, it's 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 a ton of fun and um, and I just got you know the books in the mail uh, for me to sell and for Second April Gallery downtown to sell. So I'll be at Second April Gallery, kind of right in the middle of the second of the first Friday area, and I'll be signing books tomorrow night. Uh, there's another author whose name I don't know because I just uh, I just saw his book you know like three hours ago. So we haven't met yet, but he's going to be signing books too. So we're going to be in a room together on the upper level of the gallery, and uh, we'll be signing books and selling books, hopefully, and um, we'll be giving out information about um, an event we're going to do in October together where we're going to do a reading. So it should be a great time. Even if you don't want a book, come by and just say hi and enjoy the food and the, the uh, atmosphere. I, I went a couple months ago, and it was a total blast. <laughs> um, and of course, you're the, the 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 social media queen. So I, I know there's a Facebook fan page for Columbus Groove. Um, what, totally. what other what other? Uh, it, it, I thought I saw that. Did you have something on Facebook about the book, or was it, is that just yeah, through your personal? A, a, uh, no, there's a Facebook fan page. Um, I'm not real. I am not really sure right off the bat what the link is. Um, but if you search for Columbus Groove, it pops up. Um, there's a Twitter account for a uh, Columbus Groove. Um, I've tried to I've tried to remain conscious of the fact that some people may only care about the writing and the book and not want to follow me personally on Twitter because you know I Twitter sometimes I Twitter a lot and I Twitter about non-writing related things. So I created a yeah. Twitter account. So um, the, the <laughs> Twitter account is Columbus Groove, all one word, on uh, for Twitter. And um, you know there will be some other things. Um, I'm a lot of it depends on getting the ISBN registered and you know fully launched, so that I can um, you know I can have an author status on Goodreads.com and get an author page on Amazon and that kind of stuff happens um, right around the time that the book launches on Amazon. So some of that stuff will come down the road. So. Well, great, great. Well. Um, I'm so happy for you, Brandis. This is this is so hey. exciting. Um, I know I know an author now, and uh, I have to find the time. I have to find the time to come to a book signing and a reading. Um, and for people to, who don't know, I mean, we live like I don't know half an hour from each other, and I haven't seen you since podcast because uh, I know <laughs> um, because I'm I, I'm I'm an idiot. Uh, no, it's just you know you know how it is, life and schedules and things. Uh, but yeah. uh, you know, definitely going to have to. To get together, and uh, I know I have a lot of other questions offline that I want to talk to you about. Um, but, uh, sure. but yeah, I, this is uh, this was this was a lot of fun. Um, this is a ton of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm, and you're the first person to interview me about the book, and um, you did a great job. I, I, this is really. <laughs> I was so nervous about it because I've never done anything like this interview-wise or anything, and I, you know, um, but this is really fun. I had a lot of fun. Well, great, great. Yeah, was was there anything I forgot? <laughs> um, I, I think I, I think in in the midst of our conversation, you you did mention the you know, the, the you know some some key people that helped you because obviously you know uh, nobody can do this alone, and especially your uh, your graphic artists and people who who proofed uh, some of your work, and uh, it's always great to acknowledge them as well. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Stephanie Samanto, um, she's Stephanie Samanto, S-M-A-N-T-O on, on Twitter. Um, she did a phenomenal job with this book. She's amazing. So if you ever need a book designed and typeset, uh, seriously hit her up. And she's acknowledged in the book too. So she's amazing. Well, great, great. Well, if you just, just do one more thing for me, you know, when you, when you, uh, when you go on Oprah, you know, just, just, just remember to me. <laughs> the show here, uh, you know, where, where everything kind of started, you know, so uh, I'd really appreciate that. Oh, my gosh. If I was ever on Oprah, I would first pee my pants right on Oprah's couch cushions, and then I would say, Dr. Anonymous, I'm on Oprah. <laughs> I would say it right on the show. <laughs> All right, Brandis. Hey, it's, it's, it's great to talk with you. I'm so happy uh, for this book. I, I wish you the best of Thank luck. You. I, I love, would love to bring you back on the show at some point, you know, when, when you do uh, – Go big time, and uh, you can slum it again by coming on the show here. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm so happy for you. I, I got to make it out to a book signing or in, and a yeah. reading, and to uh, just to kind of catch up because uh, it's just been too long. We haven't we haven't talked in so long. So uh, absolutely. But, uh, but thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been it's Thanks been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a great time. Thank you so much. Uh, so the uh, the book is called Columbus Groove, and uh, the website is columbusgroove.net, and you can uh, also go to Brandis's personal website, uh, brandis.net, and it does redirect to brandis.net slash blog now, so uh, I think that's working. Yay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk very soon. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, kids. So yeah, it's my good friend Brandis there, and uh, it's 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 great. It's great. I mean, and uh, I know that uh, you know the whole self-publishing thing is just something that uh, you know I was very curious about, and I know you know some some of us have talked about that uh, before. Uh, so so yeah, I wish her the best of luck. This is uh, this is going to be great to kind of see see what happens here. Uh, so I did extend the show here a little bit out. I'm going to take a little bit of a break and then uh, come back and uh, maybe mention a couple of a uh, couple of news stories here before we close things up uh, here uh, tonight. So uh, uh, so hang on, kids. We will be right back. You're listening to the Doctor Anonymous Show live on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, don't go anywhere. Let me find some uh, music here, and uh, we will be right back on the show. Welcome back to the Dr. Anonymous Show, live on Blog Talk Radio. Yes, you are healthier for listening to this show. Uh, so, yeah, before we go on, I want to just uh, give a little shout-out to everybody in the chat room here. We have our guests in there. We have Broder Boy. We have Cop, Jesse, Erplane, uh, friggin' Ben, Kimmy, Liz, Ramona, and The Burl, all in the chat room uh, this evening. And uh, so thank you all for joining us here. Um, if you want to get on the show here, uh, the number here is 646-716-9514 if you uh, want to say uh, hello here. And uh, let's see. Um, 
let's see. I'm trying to find uh, trying to find the story here. Oh, before that, uh, let me. I have, a, I have a phone call here, and let's see who is. I think I know who this is on the line here. Hello, who is this? Hello, hello, is this Doctor Anonymous? Uh, uh, yes. Who, who is this caller? Uh, I want to. I have heard some rumors that Doctor Anonymous uh, has decided not to resurrect his tennis career because of uh, pure fear, and I just want to know <laughs> if that's actually true or not. Uh, th- th- this is actually uh, a- actually true. Yes, yes, because I, I'm scared of you, man. I'm scared I just of you. Want, I just want to let you know that um, Patrick McEnroe was just on uh, the U.S. Open talking about how tennis is dying in America because men of the Generation X era have decided to walk away from the, their tennis rackets and instead pick up lattes. And <laughs> I, think, I think it's very sad that this is what we've come to in society. Uh, any comments, Doctor Anonymous? Uh, I, I uh, it, it's uh, it's it's not a latte. It's uh, it's a mocha. So get that right there, buddy. You know, I'm just saying. Okay, mocha, mocha. <laughs> uh, it's it's our good friend Eric on the show here. Eric, it's always great to talk to you. You are the man. I don't care what your wife says. Uh, well, she's usually right. So whatever she says, listen to that more. <laughs> good to hear from you. Good, good to have you here. Uh, wow, actually, I'm the one on the air, so I guess I'm there. You're there. That's well, right. That's right. I was, I, I was actually going to call you because I was going to talk about this on uh, on Saturday, but uh, we, we, we we could talk about this a little bit now because uh, you you are the expert here. Uh, maybe not, but uh, I just thought I just think it's very uh, very interesting. Uh, so so our good friend, uh, former Congressman Jim Traffigant, got uh, released from jail yesterday. Yes. Uh, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, he is the former congressman. He was uh, uh, one of two congressmen who were kicked out of Congress uh, since the Civil War. That was very historical. Yeah, well, Jim has always tried uh, to be a historic guy. <laughs> so uh, so he, he got released from jail yesterday. And the press went nuts, especially the Youngstown press. They went nuts on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that says about the city. I don't know what that says if people are still living in the past. Uh, did you hear anything yesterday, or was there chatter at your work about about this, what well, I think is a non-news event? Well, there, there's definitely been chatter in my office because, my, um, uh, because I'm at the Regional Chamber of Commerce. Um, my boss, Tom Humphreys, who you met a couple weeks ago, uh, did an op-ed in the uh, business journal, Youngstown Business Journal. I think the Vindicator reprinted it, where effectively he said that he wishes uh, Jim Trafkin all, all the best. He served his time, uh, but he politely asked for him to stay out of the public eye because the Mahoning Valley has moved on. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a very good piece, and I'm fully supportive of that. And it was quite controversial because – I think traffic and supporters are a minority in the community, but they are a very vocal minority. So it did cause a little bit of uh, friction. But at the same time, I think somebody had to say something, and, and he was the one that really did it. So um, it's, you know, his actual release has been a little anticlimactic. It's kind of like the Super Bowl, right? The, the run-up is, is bigger press than the actual game. So it hasn't been, there hasn't been too much we've heard recently, but... Um, uh, in the last day or so about where he is or what he's doing, but 
you know, there's a lot of speculation whether he's going to enter public life again or, or you know, get a radio show or, you know, God only knows, blog talk radio show. He'd be like Man. politician, he, politician he, anonymous. He, he better not be on Thursday night, so that's all I'm saying. Because I will, Yeah, you'll lose a I will, No, no, I will, I will wipe the floor with this guy because nice. he's, he's going down. That's all I'm nice. saying. That's what I like. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, the good thing is, in, in all seriousness, if you remember the, um, the, the minor league ball team here a couple weeks ago announced that they wanted to have a, a, a night honoring him. And in a way, in a warped way, that was a great thing because so many people called in and emailed the baseball team, the scrappers, that they decided to, you know, rescind it and decided not to have it. And how fantastic was that? Because it really shows that the attitude in the Mahoning Valley is a lot different than it was 15, 20 years ago. So, all good, man. Uh, for, for all good. For, for people who don't know, he was, uh, and people may remember, he, he was the guy that said, beam me up all the time on the uh, on the house floor. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and uh, I actually, uh, I, I was I was uh, watching some YouTube on this guy uh, last night, and I was uh, and, and Eric, you, you'll really appreciate this. I uh, I pulled some audio, uh, which I was going to play on Saturday, but I'm going to play this tonight. Uh, nice. Uh, he, he's he's like a lot of other politicians in that he's kind of a master of the one minute speeches. Uh, and uh, I, I pulled a couple here, and uh, if for anything else, you know, I don't like the guy, but the guy was entertaining on the floor of the house. Oh, you can say uh, that. So uh, I'm going to play a couple of clips here. And these are, I mean, these are all uh, 60 seconds, kids, so uh, pay attention because uh, these are kind of entertaining. Uh, here's, uh, I think, two or three clips here when he was talking about uh, 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 government spending too much. So uh, here is uh, the first clip of our good friend, former Congressman Jim Traffic. Oh. Mr. Speaker, the Medicare Trust Fund had its first deficit in history. And the reason given was payroll taxes were less than expected. Now, how could this be if there have been 8 million new jobs? Could it be that maybe these jobs are very suspect? Check this out. Screw supervisor. Nut former. Ball sorter. Needle straightener. Bucket chucker. Slitter creaser slaughter operator don't laugh these are all jobs listed by the department of labor and if that's not high tech enough for you how about sucker machine operator how about carcass splitter just imagine if we create more sucker machine operators and carcass splitters we'll even balance the budget now look if anybody asks my opinion i'd have to say beam me up and i think these screw supervisors all work for the internal revenue service Happy <laughs> oh, that is excellent. You really oh, take the man. creme de la creme. Uh, well, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's what's on YouTube, you know, and, and you know, they, they only have the best stuff. Here's, uh, let's see, this here's clip number two. Still talking about jobs. Here we go. Four billion dollars. Payroll contributions keep going down. <clears throat> Maybe it's the type of jobs that are being created. Check this out. How about a handkerchief folder, a drawstring knotter, a hooker inspector, a pantyhose crotch closer machine operator supervisor, a muff winder, a fur blower, a wizard operator, 
a brazier cup molder fitter. <laughs> Evidently, Mr. Speaker, when American workers become muff-winding brazier fitters and fur-blowing whizzer operators, the Medicare trust fund will continue to lose money. Maybe we better take a look at the issue and also take a look at these jobs that don't pay a whole lot of money. How about a drawstring knotter? That's really a goal in life. You'll back down. <laughs> Uh, he's classic. He is, oh, man. This is, he was entertaining. Oh, this, Too bad he couldn't be on the floor of Congress without actually being a congressman. Oh, I know. I you know, know. like um, I, 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 court, the court jester. Exactly. Exactly. I got, I, I, I got one more going to play here. This, is, this, 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 this will be the, the, the best one of the night here. So, so he's talking about a study. He's talking about a study of uh, farm animals that was paid by the federal government, and uh, take a listen to this. Mr. Speaker, the Department of Agriculture spends $200 million a year on the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, known as EQIP. Now, the focus of the purpose of EQIP is manure. That's right, manure. And after years of studies and reports, and after hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, the Department of Agriculture has come to several conclusions. Number one, big farm animals produce more manure than small farm animals. And number two, manure stinks. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker. $200 million to determine that manure stinks. I think these environmentalists over the Department of Agriculture have been smelling too many methane fumes. Why not just let the chips fall where they may? Stockpile a little bit and tell these monarchic dictators overseas they keep jacking around with oil prices. We're going to turn Elsie loose. Yield back the balance of the smell. Now, now I have to tell people. Now, this is this is not a this is not a fundraiser. This is not uh, a stand-up. Uh, you know, this is not at a bar. The people that are laughing are the congressmen and congresswomen on the floor of the house. This is that is what every, he did that's it the almost best thing daily. of this whole thing. He did it almost daily, right? That's what I always heard. And I heard from a friend of mine who was living in Washington during part of her, uh, his tenure that literally whatever time, roughly 2.30 or 3 o'clock, whenever he spoke, roughly the same time every day, Washington stopped and everybody put on C-SPAN to get the daily traffic in. And in a way, it would be so great to have such notoriety for a local congressman, but it's, it's always the wrong way. It's because of this guy and his, his horrible toupee and his bell bottoms and his absolutely horrible look. It was disgusting for the image of this valley. But... Um, yeah. But he's pretty damn funny. I'll say that much. Yeah, and, 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 and all those are all those are sixty seconds. <laughs> he's just, he's just in seconds. and out. The funny part it's is, awesome. the funny part is, he's right in a lot of what he said. But you know, when you're then at the same time making your employees kick back part of their salary to you, that's what he got busted for. You know, he loses a little cred, I think, in his little statements about the government. So. Anyways, oh, well. I'm probably, I'm probably well, getting fired tomorrow because, you know, people are going to be calling into the Chamber of Commerce with my comments that I made on the Dr. Anonymous show. 
No, 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 that's okay. No, 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 nobody listens to this show. You know, you're okay. You're, okay. you're all right. All right. We're, 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 we're fine. We're fine. Right. My, uh, my, 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 my ratings are uh, underneath, you know, like uh, Dancing with the Stars or something like that. Now, let's, let's get back to the core issue that you're avoiding, um, the reason why you won't play the intent. Because you are so damn intimidating. I'm just, I'm just okay. saying. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, for those of you on the air, for those of you on the air that don't know, Doctor Anonymous was one of my mentors on high school tennis. Uh, he yeah, was a yeah, fantastic, you, you... fantastic doubles player, and I'm trying to resurrect his career because he was really a great player and uh, had great skills. So. Well, you're you're uh, you're you're still in therapy for that, I think. I don't know. I'm still what? You you're still in therapy for that. No, I am. I, I think. I am, but, you know, I'm getting over it now. I'm starting to identify who I am again. I'm feeling good. I don't want to keep up with your time here, but I just want to say yo, because uh, I haven't listened to you in the last couple of weeks, so I felt bad about that. Hey, come back uh, Come back Saturday. I, I, I think I want to play these trafficking clips again. I think they're hilarious. Uh, what's and, what time uh, are you on Saturday? Uh, 9, 9 p.m. Nine, what do you mean? Nine o'clock. You should do a live remote from the canceled fair. Uh, sure. Yeah. Get a booth. Yeah, be... You can be next to all the cow manure. <laughs> Traffic it would be so happy. Wow. All right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, my Come brother, on. I'll tell you what. I'll be fifty-fifty on Saturday. And, uh, happy to say, my brother and his family are coming up this weekend. So. Uh, oh, well, that's good, nice. Good to see them. And yeah, you know, my brother, he still plays tennis. He's not afraid. Ow. Ow. Owie. You're, you're, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till next week, man. Maybe I'll have to bribe you with wings. Uh, well, see, that might work, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but then whenever we do that, we, we just skip the tennis and go right for the wings. So. Exactly. So that's that's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> All right, man. Listen, All right, man. Night. We'll catch up later. All righty. All right, take care. All righty. Yeah, we'll see you later. All right, that's our good friend uh, Eric, and uh, he's always harassing me. He's always making fun of me. I don't know why. You know what's uh, what's the deal with that? Uh, let me take one more break here, and I want to do want to share a couple of news stories here. Right after the break, you're listening to the Doctor Anonymous Show live on Blog Talk Radio. We're in the final, the final segment because I'm just getting tired. Oh man, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dr. Anonymous show, the show that answers the question, what happens when a guy has too much free time? That's right. I'm live here on Blog Talk Radio. I have 11 minutes left here, and I do want to cover a, very, a couple of very important 
news stories from the week. This is from our friends at the Associated Press from Tuesday, September 1st. That's right. Pantless man accused of harassing neighbor's horse. <laughs> I think I've heard this <laughs> on some other shows. I just think it's so funny. <laughs> of course, this is from Washington State. Of course. <laughs> a man who apparently wasn't wearing pants has been accused of harassing a neighbor's horse. The Tri-City Herald reported the horse's owner spotted a bald man without any pants chasing the horse around 3.30 a.m. on Friday in a corral. Benson County Sheriff's deputies identified a 26-year-old man who lives next door as a suspect, and he was jailed for investigation of trespassing. Deputies were also called to home Tuesday evening when the owner saw the same bald man scarring the horse enough to break through an electrical barbed wire fence. He was wearing a black T-shirt and blue shorts at the time. <laughs> I know. This only, only, the, uh, only the most riveting, the most riveting stories here on the Dr. Anonymous show, and I know you've probably heard of this story already, but I will mention it. This is again from our friends at the Associated Press. A judge in Canton, Ohio, was forced to improvise to keep order in his court last week. When a robbery suspect kept interrupting a hearing Thursday, Judge Stephen Belden first issued a warning. I'm going to give some duct tape. If you keep interrupting me, I'm going to have Mr. Smith put it over your mouth. And when the interruptions continued, Belden had the mouth of defendant Harry Brown duct taped. I'm not a fire and brimstone judge. I, you know, I'm not looking for publicity. I had a decision to make so that we could get on with these hearings. The judge had the tape removed so Brown could ask questions. But when he started to argue, the bailiff brought the tape out again. And the program is over. You're bound over. No, I don't find I'm calling you. You disrespect me. Down in the basement. I'm going to ask him some questions. Go ahead. Take him away. Brown is charged with fighting with Walmart security guards who claim he was trying to shoplift. Ed Donahue, the Associated Press. So that's right, kids. What's the what's the moral of the story here? Do not do not commit a crime in Canton, Ohio. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, you could maybe go to Hawaii. Did you hear this story? Thursday, September three, Honolulu, Hawaii. The proposal to bar smelly people from Honolulu has turned out to be a stinker. The Honolulu City Council has considered making it illegal to have odors, quote, odors that unreasonably disturb others or interfere with their use of the transit system. Anyone convicted of being too smelly could be fined up to $500 and or given a six-month jail term. But officials and others wrinkled their noses at the plan during a hearing Thursday. Lawyers from the city and the American Civil Liberties Union, our friends at the ACLU, said it was vague 
and could lead to unconstitutionally subjective judgments. Members of the public pointed out that bad odors could be produced by disease or be carried from a person's workplace. The Council's Transportation Committee then shelved it, but the idea seems to be wafting, wafting around. <laughs> Councilman Rod Tam. This, this is the councilman's name. Now, I'm not making this up, kids. Councilman Rod Tam. And this is his real name. That's not his porn name. Councilman Rod Tam and Mr. Garcia say they make revisions to the bill and reintroduce it later. <laughs> so, uh, so you think, you think that, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. All right, I got one more story here. Then uh, I think I'm going to call it a night here. Tuesday, September 1, Hope Dateline, Hope Mills, North Carolina. Some dogs chase cars. One in North Carolina town decided to try and eat one. The Cumberland County Sheriff's Office says a pit bull, a pit bull, deflated all four tires of a deputy cruiser near Hope Mills on Sunday. Spokeswoman Debbie Tanna said the deputy parked his car in a woman's driveway while responding to her complaint about another dog. When Deputy Lynn Lavalas went to speak with Gloria Bice, the dog chomped into the tires. The dog chomped into the tires. The dog didn't attack the deputy in the town near Fayetteville. Tana says the dog owner, Bass's next-door neighbor, will be billed $500 for a new set of wheels. Yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is the news. This is the new way. I think I think I got I think I got I got four minutes here. I got uh, let me see let me let me see if this is it. And, and let me let me read this one here. Okay, this will be the last story. Beijing, China, Dateline. As the reigning table tennis world champion with two Olympic silver medals under his belt, China's Wang Ho uh, almost had it all, except a girlfriend. The 25-year-old was banned from dating until recently when national team officials permitted his relationship with former national teammate 23-year-old, I can't say her name, Peng Luyang. The government-owned China Daily reported Wednesday. Both of them are old enough and it's normal. The newspaper quoted the coach. Strict control of athletes' personal lives is common in China's rigid state-run sporting system, which grooms young hopefuls in specialized sports schools around the country to become a gold medalist, providing them with intensive training and free food, clothing, and shelter. Under the watchful eye of team officials, star athletes are often banned from dating or marrying until a certain age. Restricted in endorsement contracts and sometimes have a large percentage of their winnings taken away. 
Athletes who date without permission risk being punished. In 2004, Wang Wang started dating another fellow national team player, and officials kicked kicked, kicked them off the national team. Many reports and Wang avoided punishment at the time because his world ranking which was much higher than the person he was allegedly dating. And that is our world tonight. <laughs> i got two minutes left. Uh, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me this evening. I do want to thank my guest, author, Brandis. Man, I knew I was going to mess that up. Brandis Schnabel, author. Uh, her book is called Columbus Groove. You can go to columbusgroove.net or her blog, brandis.net. To find out more information, hey, check out her. Check out her book. Um, I think she's going to be. Uh, this is going to be. This is going to be great. I'm very happy for her. Going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out. Um, I have about 90 seconds left. My next show will be Saturday night, September 5th, right here on Block Talk Radio. It'll be 9 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, that's right. One hour before the huge, hugely popular. Andy and Burrow live show here on Blog Talk Radio. Who knows what I'll be talking about Saturday? Well, I'll be playing more clips of our uh, of our good friend, uh, former Congressman Jim Traffic, and also covering some news stories as well. So that's it uh, for this evening. Uh, I do have somebody on hold, but uh, I'm not going to be taking that. I'm sorry, I'll be. I'm going to be closing up the show here tonight. So, uh, so thanks a lot for uh, for hanging out with me here uh, this evening. I am Dr. Anonymous. You can find me at dranonymous.com, dranonymous.net, dranonymous.org. And uh, yes, I will be doing a little post show here after the show for those of you who have hung out with me. Uh, I'll be at dranonymous.tv right after the show. I'll. I'll uh, do a little you streaming here for about maybe 15 minutes or so. I'll put the link up there in the chat room. And uh, with 20 seconds left, I want to thank everybody for joining me. I will see you Saturday night back here. And uh, thanks a lot for joining me because it is Thursday night. When is Thursday night? Hey, it's the Dr. Anonymous show. Good night from Northeastern Ohio. And good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.